This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. What's up? Hi. I tried to do it to the beat. You did. Yeah. Welcome to For Color Nerds. Where's this going to stop? Yeah, I'll cut off. It does? Yeah, let's just ride it out. Ride the beat. Okay. Yeah. See? See, what y'all don't know is we got a whole song here. Yeah, this is a whole song. One day we're gonna, like, <laughs> rap over. just spit. I got bars. I don't, but I can write some bars. I got probably, you know, I can move you with the pen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm no Jay-Z, but I can move you with the pen. I'm like a solid Kitty Pablo. Okay. Yeah. Take your shirt off. Just yeah. Just your head. Like a helicopter. I'm probably a smooth Kaya. Oh, oh yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So we'll end that. But yeah. welcome to For Color Nerds. Welcome. <laughs> um, That's like the best intro country. we've done. What's that? That's like the best oh, intro worst. we've done. It could be the worst also. You know, whatever. Who's you judging? know. Subjective. Speaking of subjectivity and best and worst. Oh, man. I like that. Uh, or really just the best. So this past Wednesday... Where the, the Oscar nominations were announced. Well, actually, let me take it back. So today's Saturday. Last Sunday, we yeah. had the Golden Globes. Had the Golden Globes. And I... Shit got fucked up. Yeah. I'm gonna, well, actually, I'm going to be completely honest about the Golden Globes. So I... About award seasons in general. For the past, like, four or five years, I haven't been into, into any of this. But I, I paid special attention this year because my girl, Ava DuVernay, yeah. who is the director of Selma was the first black female nominated for best director yeah. at the Golden Globes. It's a huge deal. And that yeah. made me feel like even just the momentum building with the the film's campaign that she was going to, you know, get there. As far when I say get there, I mean I thought she was going to be nominated for best director for, you know, the Academy Award. Yeah. And so well, before you before you get I mean just talk about the Golden Globes. Like I actually didn't, so I had never really been into Golden Globes. I always thought that it was kind of, for a long oh, time. Oh, I like them because people dress, sometimes dress. That's like the first award show that people kind of turn it up for. Well, I just got into it because I didn't realize everybody gets, like, twisted. Like, oh, yeah, they start alcohol there. People get fucked up. Yeah, and so, like, I, I just started really actually watching the Golden Globes after um, I started seeing, like, the GIFs, like, do the GIF set. Yeah, after. oh, I say GIF. GIF. But you can say whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, it's subjective. It's a choice choice see you know yep. but um but yeah if they start posting the gif sets but i i'm kind of in the same boat i didn't really care about award season i always followed it like to see who won and who was nominated but i never actually watched see when i was younger I used, to watch, I used to follow it intently and then like i just got tired of kind of seeing the same types of i hate to i mean i don't hate to say this I'm probably gonna get deeper into this i got tired of seeing the same types of movies nominated yeah. and the same like 10 15 people nominated over and over and over again like i'm sure amy adams is a super nice person 
If I have to see her in another, like, one of these weak-ass, corny-ass gowns she wears on the red carpet, dressed boring as hell, with a 40s fucking wave, Damn. nominated for another, like, you know, down-on-her-luck part, like, for an Academy uh, Award, like... I'm going to be, I'm just going to be in tears. I don't, we don't even need to get into that. I was going to say, I, but, I don't so want to defend that, Amy Adams, but like, I feel like that was a little mean. But it wasn't mean. It's just, like, it's the same type, it's the same it's type the same of shit type over of and over again. I get tired of watching the shit. So I stopped. Last year, I tuned in a little bit to the Academy Awards to see Lupita. Yeah. Because I saw her win, and then I cried. My sister cried. I was crying. Yeah. But other than that, I skipped this shit generally yeah. for the past, like, five or six anyway, years. So let's anyway, go back so to, uh, I was excited because Ava yeah. was nominated for Golden Globe, but that she got snubbed. She got snubbed, but also, like, more to the point, Selma yeah. had, like, a near shutout at this year's Academy Awards. And even though Selma was not just a great movie put together by an amazing woman. If you're not familiar with Ava DuVernay, she has um, like an illustrious like film PR career. In addition to being like a feature director, a short director, a documentary director, she's done commercials. She's done episodes of Scandal. She's done, she's had, you know, short film show at Cannes. She's done kind of it all. And she's only been directing for the past five years. Yeah. She's really, really, really amazing. Super smart, super talented, very gracious. And from what I hear, she's like, awesome to work for and work with um so all around like amazing woman but someone was also one of the most important and well done i think it was like unanimously agreed it was one of the best movies that came out this year mm-hmm. and not only that the the national climate <laughs> the way our national climate is set up in 2014 2015 it was almost like it was this divine moment for this yeah, movie to come very out. timely very timely very film. timely almost even more it was like as timely as fruitvale station was last year yeah this was almost even more timely just because of all the organizing that took place yeah. in Selma and then all the organizing that, that took, and you know, obviously this movie was in the works before Ferguson or anything like that, but all the organizing around Black Lives Matter that really got kicked off this past August and is still kind of going strong now. It was, it was so timely. It just seemed like divine timing. In addition to the fact that she's talented, the cast is talented. It was amazing and it was well done. So then we come to the Oscars and it was nominated for best film, nominated for best song. With Common and John Legend, which I honestly haven't heard the song. Um, but from what I understand, it's good. It won a Golden Globe. Yeah. But she wasn't nominated for Best Director. David Oyuolo was not nominated for Best Actor. Uh, it was like all of the other elements that seemed to like comprise a Best Picture nominee were mysteriously left out of the other like nomination categories. And I mean, it, yes. Yeah. And for like, I think the, the thing to kind of contrast this with is who like who was nominated in those categories who it was like you know it's interesting uh even i think there wasn't even just black twitter that said this all of twitter kind of erupted on wednesday white people man this is the whitest oscars that we've had since 1998 i think yeah like i think uh literally all of the uh top categories for like the 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 actor and actress nods Mm -hmm. um are all white everybody's white everybody is white and that hasn't happened in a yeah, in addition minute. to director, I think. Yeah, in, in addition if you to include that no, 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 because uh, I can't remember the Birdman director Inarritu. Yeah, he's Mexican. Is he? Right? Yeah, he did Babel, Mexican. Oh. He did Amoris Peros. I'm pretty sure. Amoris yeah. Peros is a movie. What's that? It's depressing, but yeah, yeah, it's it is. Really it's good, good but yes, no. So he's Mexican. So he may he may be white Latino, but still within this whole yeah situation in in this context, he's technically not white. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of got me thinking about this conversation about smudging mm. now i can't take credit for that term actually because it almost sounds like you know one of those like 
sociological terms that you learn about in yeah. school. Like intersection. Yeah, like intersectional. <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, and actually, you know what? Maybe it was. I really don't know. But the person who kind of popularized it recently is um, Azealia Banks. Azealia Banks. Azealia Banks. So we're going to talk a little bit today about some of the smudging that we've been seeing going on because she's been talking about it within the context of her and Iggy, which we're going to get to. Yes, yeah. there's a lot there. Lord knows, there's a ton there. Um, but also just the just even the smudging that we've seen outside of the music industry, outside of like the female, the very tiny like little like. I guess like little ring where we keep female rappers. Um, so the smudging is something that's not just happening in that world. It's kind of happening across like smudging is having a really amazing cultural moment. I want to say last year appropriation. I want to say Grantland yeah. decided that appropriation had had the best year ever. Yeah. Um, but I want to say kind of like 2014, 2015, the smudging is having a nice little moment. Yeah. And, and to clarify, I think we got to kind of dig deep into what smudging what is, smudging is mm-hmm. you know because some people might not know but that's basically when someone from a more dominant culture mm-hmm. their uh, their presence and accolades like pushes out yes. the people who uh, might be recognized for their talent skills or even their their culture or something that they developed yeah um so that's kind of the that's the easiest. I mean, that, that I didn't look that up. I just no, you did up. good. So that was excellent. That's maybe that's maybe a little bit accurate. But that's kind of how I feel. Like basically, how this is kind of going down. And I want to. I mean, I think we should come back to Selma because there's kind of like there's that, a lot there. There's a lot there. So I think Selma was a really interesting uh, film to kind of get snubbed. How it was, mm-hmm. considering the fact of the films that were celebrated uh, last year. Yes, you're talking about 12 Years a Slave. Yeah. It's a huge one. And almost specifically 12 Years a Slave. Yes. Like, I feel like with Selma, Selma was kind of a... Well, you wouldn't think it would be as controversial as it was. I did not think. It's literally not just based on true story. It's pretty much like the whole true story just out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you talk about the whole true story that's out there. Because there was there were a lot of, like, really vocal and strong challenges to... Um, Ava DuVernay's uh, script interpretation of the events Mm -hmm. and you know you had people there was a guy who um, I think I don't know if he was his chief of staff he was one he was on the he was on the 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 head staff of LBJ yeah who was there around that time and he was like well LBJ was you know was actually he was one of the people who told um, who told Martin Luther King that this is what you need to do this is what you need to do right now so interesting this is very very interesting that people she did a very good interview, I want to say last weekend, or maybe two weekends ago, with Melissa Harris-Perry. And she specifically, on on this specific topic yeah. you're talking about, and she specifically used the phrase, she was so slick on this interview. If you haven't seen it, you have to watch it. She's so, I think, like, Melissa gave her a full 30 minutes. She was amazing. Yeah. Um, but she says something about how the, the way that she did the film brought out the custodians of LBJ's legacy. Mm. So LBJ actually is kind of having an interesting year. Yeah. Um. So Selma obviously came out at the end of the year, but at the beginning of the year, this is something that maybe not as many people had uh, had access to, but I was fortunate enough to see the Broadway play all the way. It was Brian Cranston played LBJ. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Yes, okay. and it was about this actually it was it was like this entire moment in time. Yeah. Um maybe kind of extrapolated out over a few more years, but from LBJ's point of view. Mm-hmm. Now, I was also fortunate enough to meet the writer yeah. of this show, and who was a white guy who was really cool. Um, but he did not make LBJ out to be this saint who was necessarily for 
you know, desegregation because it was the right thing to do. Yeah. He kind of presented it not too differently from what I understand Ava DuVernay, like, presented LBJ. Because, mm-hmm. you know, full disclosure, neither one of us has seen the film. We're going to go see it tonight, tonight. on a squad outing. Yeah. Um, squad up. But from what I understand, she presented him as somebody who was out to kind of keep his country together and kind of protect his presidency and do things that were going to be in the best interest of making sure that his job went okay. And and that's the, not that's not bad. No, it's not a bad characterization. It just doesn't make him out to be like this hero for desegregation. Like I think that the the so-called custodians of his legacy want him to be. Well, I mean, I think that goes to kind of a few things. Like history in general has, and even with Martin Luther King, history in general has a tendency to kind of deify um, mm-hmm. you know, people who made extremely difficult decisions in, ta- in challenging moments. Mm. You know, you have, obviously, LBJ. You, in addition, you have Kennedy. Um, you yeah. have, so JFK, you have, uh, it, you know, people like Lincoln who, you know, are sometimes painted to be these, like... Paragons of morality. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, and ethics and, like, how we should behave as a country and a nation. Yeah. And I'm going to force my country into this moment. But the reality is, you know, being president is a difficult situation mm-hmm. and you have to weigh not only you know what works for everybody but you also have to weigh what works for yourself yeah because that job is not is not guaranteed you can be put out and in addition <laughs> to that you have to make sense for what's what's going to evolve the country and in what manner yeah. is this country going to be evolved yeah. you know lincoln wasn't necessarily all for you know, the end of slavery, but he recognized if he was going to win this serious war, he had to make some tactical decisions. Exactly. And and freeing the slaves was, was one of tactical them. Decisions. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was a smart one. You can't yeah. knock him for that. But anyway, moving back to LBJ, you know, it's not, it's not a crazy thought that this man, no one, like no one's saying that he was flat out racist. No, but he was a white man from Texas who was the president in the 1960s. Y'all exactly. expect me to believe that he was really on some John Brown shit? <laughs> like, really? like, it just it just doesn't line up. No. And that's not to say, you know, again, that's not to say that he is he was a bad man. No. He might he, obviously he made decisions that helped to evolve our country um, beyond this, you know, immense legacy of of uh, pain and suffering that yeah. we were going to, even though it's not over. But no. you know, he he helped to kind of push us in the right direction. But I think. There's something that people find difficult about being challenged with balance. Yes. Like, you know, you can't, for them, because things kind of worked out mm-hmm. as much as they can. For, at the time. Yeah, yeah. At the time. You know, they want to say that he had this foresight to be able to make all those decisions. But at the end of the day, this is probably somebody who had a lot to wait. His own personal experiences, mm-hmm. you know, his own, you know, beliefs, in addition to um, what was best for the country and how to to evolve that. So those things are often seen from a variety of different viewpoints. And all of those viewpoints might be different. Like history is always an interpretation. Mm-hmm. It is. Oh, yeah. Like Lincoln. Lincoln came out a few years ago. Y'all think Steven Spielberg had like the inside track? Right. Like, <laughs> he was reading journals. Like, exactly. He was reading like, you know, like, yes, Lincoln had some writings the same way that there are people around now yeah, who most have presidents speech. Actually. Yeah, exactly. Who have writings and have speeches and things that they want to be preserved or released that they want us to know. But it wasn't like he was, he had text. It wasn't like he could have scrolled through Twitter 1864. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And gotten that real, real, you know what I mean? He was working with what he had and like, it's a historical film and 
or Selma, I mean, is a historical film. And I think that she still did an excellent job. All historical films take some degree of creative license because at the end of it, it's a film. You want to have some sort of compelling narrative. Yeah. Uh, but still, I want to say that even though there was kind of this campaign against Selma, really. And the, there were other parts even. So, I, like, I just want to give time to show how deep this shit was. Because mm-hmm. as soon as, like, if they started, as soon as they started building momentum, mm. that's where you saw these kind of attacks come out. Yeah. And I thought it was really odd because it would be different if, like, Selma wasn't so, like, like almost wholly well-reviewed. Like, yeah. Like, you didn't see, I didn't see... Really I think weird. on Metacritic, it's... I think on Rotten... T- no, Metacritic, it might be 86%. I can't remember. But on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's, like, 100%. Like, it's a really, really well-reviewed film. So, when you see, like, publications like, like Deadline... Mm-hmm. Deadline was posting, like two or three times a day about Selma. And, you know, it wasn't, it was the uh, the historical challenges. Mm-hmm. In addition, they put out this really kind of like clickbaity title about how um, apparently someone on the set was electrocuted. And does that harm? See. And the thing is, he was, the guy wasn't even electrocuted. You click through to the article and you read it and they're like, they're like, this guy got shocked and it could have been really bad, but luckily they were able to fix it. And they tried <laughs> to tie that into, you know, the overall, and there is an ongoing conversation about safety on film sets. Mm-hmm. But you weren't talking about this when the production went on. Nope. Like, I, I, I didn't hear a word about nope. it. No. When it. Once it came time, once it came time for this specific narrative to kind of have its cultural moment and possibly pick up some mainstream accolades yeah. that's when all of a sudden this shit came out and like I said I saw All the Way All the Way got nominated I don't remember which all Tonys it won but for that particular world um, there was a lot of talk about this and Brian Cranston obviously just had a huge moment like it was it was a big deal and like a lot of the same characterization similar characterization in this play um, as in this movie but one was made one was like helmed by a black woman the other was made by a white guy and the one that was made by a white guy All the Way rightfully so was totally lauded and there was just not as much challenge to it it, i'll put to you like this it the response from all the way coming out was people being curious about lbj's legacy there's curiosity about lbj's legacy after this play came out whereas like ever since selma came out it's been more like no, homegirl, these are all the things that you got wrong. Yeah. And like, no. Like you attacked his legacy. Exactly. They saw you it as attacked his legacy. Attack. Instead of, like you said, offering challenge, like she or offered balance. challenge or balance to his legacy. Um, it Instead of possibly, you know, for people who are, like I said, the so-called custodians of his legacy. For these people, instead of like accepting that balance and maybe trying to piece together some sort of portrait of him as a, as a complete person. Yeah. Um, they instead chose to not engage in critical thinking and just come for Ava DuVernay and come for this film. And, and in some ways it worked. Yeah, I definitely think it worked. And a, another interesting thing that I don't think it was kind of talked about, like there wasn't any, um, there wasn't any real chatter about this, but I wonder how much the, um, like how much Ava DuVernay's personality herself weight on this too because she was very vocal about how good this film was now see this is the thing i want to talk about, actually I, mean, I didn't know you were going to bring this up i want to hear more about this because you said something to me the other day a couple weeks so ago i use the word i use the word cocky and i yeah. think you had a you had a kind of a knee-jerk reaction to it yeah. but, and i didn't mean it in but you like, said you were correcting yourself and you said confident confident yeah so yeah. I, I meant it in a way that she is like in all of her interviews she is positive about how good this film was mm-hmm. or is and 
I don't see any issue with that. Although the interesting thing is that to me seems at a contrast with often how people talk during award season. Now, see, this is the thing. I'm going to be honest with you. And maybe this is because of me, a woman and like your guy, and also maybe because of my personality. But I never picked up on, I guess I never saw, I never saw her speaking. I, and it never registered to me that she talked about Selma any differently than any other director would talk about their own film that had been, that they knew was good and had been celebrated. Like I didn't, I didn't even notice that she necessarily said anything out of the ordinary. It didn't, it didn't strike well, me any. And again, I don't think it was tonally wrong or even tonally off balance. I think it was. But just, you noticed it though. It was, I didn't notice it was anything. different. Like in the sense of she, she often used the words. The reason what makes this film so good. The reason why this, you know, um, it, it, some people I say the reason why this. <laughs> Yeah, like some people say, the reason why this movie, I think this movie clicked. Hers is, the reason why I think this movie is Good. such a great movie. You know, and like, you're supposed to champion your own stuff. So that's why I yeah. say, like, I don't think anything she said was wrong. She wasn't like, I'm shitting on these fools. You know, she, but she should she, have. She could have. Could have I would have actually, yeah. I would have rolled for that. But um, she was very positive about the quality of her script. Because she, you know, this this movie was floating out in the ether for a while. It was for trying to get made time. for a long yeah, time. Yeah, it went to some, like, like Spike had it. Uh, Paul Greengrass had it. Yeah. yeah. And so it almost got made in a couple of different iterations. And when it came to her, um, she rewrote the entire, like, basically the entire So She yeah. said she rewrote about 90% of it. Yeah, but the, the original guy who wrote it, um, I think when he released it, he had this stipulation that the writing credit had to remain in his name. Yeah. So, you know, she rewrote a lot of the script and, you know, she even talked about how she had, like the reason why she rewrote a lot of the script, how she just had to kind of, she was like, I had to take a lot of it out mm -hmm. because it just wasn't right. It didn't work. I mean, that in itself is fine, but it's just interesting to me how much um, credit she took. Mm -hmm. For the entire picture, how much work. And you know me, I love credit. You, you love credit. I don't know nobody. Credit is my credit favorite thing in the world. It is. Literally. So, I mean, I thought it was awesome because at the end of the day, who going to argue with her? Who going to check her? No. Nobody. nobody. Because, again, it's Google so me and do, widely Google her and do her resume. separated. But, I'm, you know, I'm curious. Again, this wasn't talked about. But I, I wonder if that had anything to do with it. This black woman who is out there, knows she's different. Mm -hmm. And not only just on the, you know, well, it's so great to be, it's talking about the Golden Globes, it's so great to be nominated. Yeah. Like, no, this movie is good. You know, more or less, I deserve to win. <laughs> yeah, well, it, she didn't I, say that, but no, she didn't say. Actually, the one I think there was a New York Times or it was a New York Magazine interview where she they asked her about being nominated for a Golden Globe or being possibly nominated for an Oscar, and she was just like, "Me being at this point where I am right now is still so out of this world to me." She's like, "So when I think about making that leap to be at the Academy Awards or be nominated, she's like, that still is not something that I can fully understand and wrap my head around." But yeah, no, generally, like I said, I just. I'd never even noticed that she necessarily was so, I didn't notice, I didn't, I guess it, it just never registered with me, but it's true. She did speak very confidently about her work and she definitely deserved to. She's really talented. She worked really hard, but I do think that definitely had something to do with it. And then also too, there's the matter of the obvious, which is that the Academy is, I think 77% male, yeah. average age is 63 and it's 94% white. Yeah. So like that Clint Eastwood movie, I'll be honest with you. American Sniper. I had heard shit about a Clint Eastwood movie. What? But the dudes who are in you know, your average 63-year-old white dude in America. They checking for them. Yeah, 
that's Clint Eastwood. That's their that's their that's their man. That's their guy. And he's you know he appeals to that uh, demographic. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know conservative republican so he gets those people on a lot i mean even just to kind of go through the others really quick link letter i saw i saw boyhood actually yeah. and it, i didn't get to see i'm actually a huge link fan i'm not gonna lie i am too and it was a good movie here's the thing here's the thing about boyhood and actually i was talking about this last night mm-hmm. um so boyhood is a is a good film and deserves to be celebrated but Boyhood is a good film in the sense of it's novel in its approach. Yes. Like there will never you can't like you can't recreate that shit. It's extremely original, you know, but the execution to me wasn't like the writing was very dry. Mm-hmm. Like it was very dry. You could see where there was a lot of like improvisation. They were kind of just working this out as they went along. Yeah. And again, that doesn't take anything away from It was um, more of a successful experiment as yeah. opposed to like a narrative triumph. Exactly. Exactly. And like, you know, even the um even the portrayals from a lot of the actors to me weren't necessarily as strong. And I really like Ethan Hawke. I really mm-hmm. like Ethan Hawke. You Hawk. do? Yeah, I like I Ethan saw him Hawk. at a restaurant recently. Bad teeth. Well, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's been through. He's been through some things, yeah. but um, <laughs> but no, I really like Ethan Hawke. I don't know that you know he got the best support. I don't know that to me that was a best supporting actor worthy. Oh yeah, um, I know what you're saying. Yeah, you know, role. Um, in addition to Patricia Arquette, Arquette. Yeah. Um, she was she was actually better than Ethan Hawke. Than he was. She was she was awesome. But anyway, going back to that, I think that to me that movie is the one that's kind of snowballing to the mm-hmm. point where I think it's going to take a lot of them. Um, but you also had a lot of movies that were similar in format to Selma as well in terms of, you know, historical portrayals. You had yeah. uh, The Imitation Game, which is uh, telling the story of... Damn, I can't even remember what I'm saying. Are you talking about that guy, a British guy? Benedict Cumberbatch was playing... Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I don't remember who he's playing, but I know what you're talking about. Alan Turner. So anyway, he was playing Alan Turner. Oh, um, and, you yeah. know, that's somebody whose story is very unique. Um, mm-hmm. it's a, you know, it's a historical portrayal. In addition, you have the theory of life, which is... Um, oh, is, Stephen, is that the Stephen Hawking one? Stephen Hawking. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah, uh, Eddie Redmayne playing Stephen Jones Hawking. Whatever, and so yeah. you have a lot of... You have, you know, three movies, including Selma, where you have historical portrayals mm-hmm. of, um, you know, kind of cataloging um, moment in times. Well, the theory of everything is kind of his whole life. But you have historical portrayals portraying men who haven't really had a moment yeah until this time but again going back to what you were saying before selma and what it means for right now to me isn't being as talked about as almost even 12 years a slave was like there was or a no, lot no, of no, no. there was Fruitvale a lot station of, last and Fruitvale, year. well that yeah. too but there was a lot of conversation about how much race needs to be talked about at the same time as these movies were out. Oh, and you're saying... Selma, to me, almost is perfectly hitting that. Yes. In the sense of, you know, a lot, a lot these things were happening. They've been happening over a few years in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, a lot of the um, killings yeah. of African Americans at the hands of like people law in power. enforcement, yeah. And... These things were happening. People were reacting to them, and there were there were there were mobilizations throughout. Mm-hmm. But these things have kind of coalesced. Yes, and there is definitely something forming. I don't know. Yeah, like it's... I told you, it's a divi- it's a divine moment, even yeah. stronger than what was like you said, even stronger than what was happening last year. So it's really it's going to be really interesting to see why something that by almost by chance because she was just making this movie. Yeah. She didn't say you know oh this movie needs to be made because no. of this moment. You know why that's not talked about almost at all beyond black media. 
Hey, this is Jeff Lewis from Radio Andy. Live and uncensored, catch me talking with my friends about my latest obsessions, relationship issues, and bodily ailments. With that kind of drama that seems to follow me, you never know what's going to happen. You can listen to Jeff Lewis live at home or anywhere you are. Download the SiriusXM app for over 425 channels of ad-free music, sports, entertainment, and more. Subscribe now and get three months free. Offer details apply. Life doesn't have a pause button. That's why Capella University's FlexPath learning format lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them if something comes up. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference for you at capella.edu. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. That actually brings to mind some of, uh, there's a piece that both of us read by Brittany Cooper. Yes. um, That was about sort of the political tone deafness. Yeah. Um, of the Golden Globe Awards. So you have, like you, you say, you, there's this very interesting moment about Black Lives Mattering that's happening right now in the United States. We also have Boko Haram, who yeah. you know just recently slaughtered 2,000 people, many of whom were very young girls in Nigeria. And then we also had the Charlie Hebdo mm-hmm. um, tragedy, which was you know something that's been happening for the past couple of weeks. So all of these things are kind of floating around. And you sort of see... You talked earlier about the Golden Globes and how they're kind of interesting because people are allowed to drink and kind of people can kind of go off. Book. They get loose, yeah. They can get a little loose. So you're going to see a different type of humor and also a different approach to talking about certain topics just because it's the Hollywood foreign press. So you're like, I will say Golden Globes and uh, the Academy Awards can sometimes have vastly different nominees for different things like that. What's a young woman's name? I think her name is Gina Rodriguez, who won for Jane the Virgin. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when you have someone like Gina Rodriguez, you know, a woman of Latino descent, she's going to be, there's a lot greater likelihood that she'll be more appealing to the Hollywood foreign press than possibly she would. To the um, Academy. Yeah, to the or just because uh, she's on TV, so yeah. even the Emmys in the United States. Um, so you're going to see some slightly different things. You're also going to see people talking about engaging political humor differently because it's a different crowd. So uh, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey hosted. There are a variety of different types of jokes and things like that. But also, there were a lot of people who were wearing Je suis Charlie buttons to sort of, you know, give a a silent nod to the Charlie Hebdo It wasn't that silent. What's that? To me, it wasn't that silent. Yes, but I'm talking about the buttons specifically. Uh, Yes, no, there was, but there was also, it was like, that was a climate where it was okay to acknowledge that. But, um, and Brittany Cooper goes into detail in this in her piece, we also have this moment where Common and John Legend have won for best original song. For the song that they put together for Selma. Glory. 
you said glory mm -hmm. is what called yeah so then we have common giving this speech very diplomatic acceptance speech where he talks about how basically the the working on the film and the song and also the current cultural moment has sort of opened him as a human um and how he sort of you know magnanimously announces that he is you know the black protester he is you know the young man who's been gunned down by the police he is you know the white ally who has you know died on the front lines he you know is kind of hearkening back to this selma moment um in the middle of this i guess like you know hollywood let's pat each other on the back sort of like award ceremony yeah um and she mentions, Brittany Cooper mentions, that it almost seems as if he wanted to say Black Lives Matter, but yeah. he couldn't. And regardless of whether or not he wanted to, I still think that we all kind of know that it wouldn't have it. been okay if he yeah. had said that. It would have been controversial. But it was okay for everybody to have their Just Sweet Charlie moment. Or for, um, what's her name, Amal Alamuddin, who mm -hmm. is um, George Just Clooney's wife now. Yeah. Or Amal Clooney, sorry. You know, she's. it's okay for her to say, well, I decided to wear Dior because I wanted to wear a Parisian designer as a nod to the people of Paris on this evening. Um, it's okay for people to to do that on the world stage when it's acknowledging, you know, the Charlie Hebdo attacks. But when it comes to Boko Haram or when it comes to Mike Brown or Tamir Rice, Rice yeah. you Very can't just say the simple phrase of Black Lives Matter because that's controversial. Well, I think the thing is, the thing that's confusing to me is in so you know there's a lot of blanket reaction obviously it was a this was a, a terrorist attack yes. that was you know terrible you know for lack of a better word yeah that said there is a lot more to me manufactured confliction around the black lives matter movement Wait, you what know? do you say so when i say manufactured confliction in terms of people like well we need the facts well you know this could have gone either way well you have to like there's a lot more challenges to yeah. the authenticity of the movement in general. Yes. Which to me is a lot more saddening and maddening and we've kind of talked about this before. Mm -hmm. um, but in the case of Boko Haram this, I mean, I, I, you would think that this is something that the world would find universally terrible. It's unconscionable to me that 2,000 people have died at once and that we're fighting we're for yeah, and, and ch children, little yeah. girls. That is unconscionable to me. That that is not... And I think... I don't know if you've seen it. I know her fiancé saw it because I saw it on her Tumblr and I saw the same thing on Tumblr where now people are starting to care about... Like, I saw a headline that said Angelina Jolie wants, you know, people to start paying attention to the Boko Haram killings in Nigeria. And it's like... <laughs> I'm like, you all can't see me, but I'm literally grabbing my face because it, like you said, it's saddening and it's maddening to think that just 2,000 people dying isn't enough. Yeah. That you need to have this rich white lady who, you know, who obviously donates her time and her energy and her, you know, money to humanitarian causes. But like, you need to have this rich white lady say, oh, you guys got to care about this. Like. That's when it matters. That's when it matters. That is. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's a mind fuck. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Where it's like, it, or even just the fact that Common can't say, it seems like it would be controversial for him to say Black Lives Matter on national television, international television. But like, he's accepting award, an award for a song that he wrote about a movie that is all about 
black people organizing to say that they deserve the right to vote. They deserve the right to do all of these other things. And now, and other people have said this more eloquently than I have, but like now we're reduced to a point where all we can say, all we have to say right now is black lives matter, black life matters. And we're at the point where that's like, that's the shred that we're trying to get hold of, right? Yeah. And, and he can't even that. say that. Yeah. Like that is, it's like, I'm making this weird face right now, but like, that's, it's so bizarre and it makes you feel kind of half crazy. So yeah, I mean, I think that's crazy. In addition to the fact, it also speaks to something else. I'm trying to remember if the Brittany Cooper article talked about this or if I read this somewhere else. Mm. Um, but there's, I think there's an issue in terms of where people find fault in Black Lives Matter is that this issue, or the issue, and I use issue out, like you can't, I want to put like all the yeah, air, air quotes, quotes. in the world. But, there's no um, can, but yeah. I see. Thank you. Someone sees. Uh, <laughs> But the issue of inclusion. And, mm-hmm. you know, I read something that talked about people, like, people's response to Selma might be so strong in terms of the, the controversy and the negative reaction mm-hmm. to that. Because it seems as if Selma and the deliverance of Black people comes almost solely at the hands of Black people. Yes. And I think where people, I mean, the, the corollary that I'm trying to make is that I think where people find fault in Black Lives Matter oddly is that they don't see themselves in that as if you can't support this issue Mm -hmm. if you're not directly included and receiving credit for that you just sell a lot right there partner i try to do something every now and again i get i get one of those a week yeah you do get one or every 10 days maybe yeah but no but i mean i mean that's but yeah and you know and selma like and the thing, and actually, I mentioned to we talked about this a little bit before. Uh-huh. So with Selma, there were, I mean, this was a movie like until it got to its point right now, that before this, a lot of it had been championed by white people, yeah, by people who were white in terms of the studio trying to make. Oh, it trying to get things done. There were definitely a few people who were instrumental in getting this movie made that were white. Yeah, like I mean, Lee Daniels was the last one attached, and he was you know likely going to be the director until he wasn't. I think he lost whoever was going to be the, the um, yeah the and then also like I think he and everybody else who was stepped to the script even to begin with just wanted way more money than 20 million dollars exactly yeah yep. but um Paul Greengrass was the one who stayed with the script for so long he like mm-hmm. it was his script who was like which was kind of gestating for a while he's white obviously and he, you know and this was something that I think before people felt like I've got a part of this you know I've got a mm. part of uh of history here and when Ava DuVernay got to it and wrote it based on her interpretation. Yeah. It quote unquote removed their ability to see themselves in that. And again, we haven't seen the movie. So no, I'm we curious seen as to movie, but this if is... this is as accurate as I might think it is from what I've read. Yeah, I'm I'm curious about that too. And I also want to say something uh to your point about her interpretation. One of the things that she's talked about a lot, and one of the things that I notice when I watch historical dramas like this, um, there are several different points where she's done things differently. She's, she's admitted to doing things differently. And I've also seen it noticed in reviews um, than maybe other filmmakers, male or or, uh, or white or otherwise, would have done. First of all, there was no white savior in the movie, which in a lot of these types of narratives, almost like completely regardless of actual history or actual facts, the narrative will be shifted so that there is a white protagonist somewhere in there sort of bringing, like you said, deliverance 
to these black people. Like so, 12 years a slave. Like 12 years a slave, exactly. Yeah. So that's not... So like maybe as a black person, and this is also some other shit, as a black person, you can endure. You have endurance. You have mm. this magical ability to endure hardship, but you don't have whatever it takes. And this is, like I say, within this narrative, you don't have whatever it takes to be able to deliver yourself or be delivered or deliver each other. So Talk you can endure it, it but you can't it. save each other, right? You can't save yourselves. So she has this narrative where there are white people involved doing instrumental work. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? As it was in real life. Yeah. But in this particular moment, it was the, you know, SNCC and the SL, S, SCLC. SCLC. Thank you, Jesus, Lord have mercy. Yeah, so SNCC and the SCLC and all and the people of Selma and the people in Alabama who mobilized to save themselves and to, and to let themselves be seen, to make themselves seen and to make themselves heard. So there's there's that. When you take the white savior out of it, all of a sudden, you have all of these other characters, secondary and tertiary characters to the story who appear. A white savior is sometimes employed a lot of times by white filmmakers in movies like this, right? Yeah, blindside. But, yeah, blindside. But men also do something similar in that, like, she noticed in the original script there were a lot of composite characters. Mm. So just to name a few people who are often kind of shut out of these uh, two people in particular I'm thinking of are is uh, Diane Nash and Bayard Rustin. Yeah. So Bayard Rustin, Bayard Rustin was a gay black man, and him being gay has kind of almost blacklisted him from even black history discussions. Yeah. Even though he was an instrumental person in the civil rights movement, um, and has done a lot of had done a lot of amazing organizing work. Uh, and it was also like I don't know that anybody in that time was out, but it was also kind of well known that that was that that he was gay exactly and not well and like there are some figures who are well known like black people who are gay who are kind of like maybe entertainers or within the harlem renaissance movement which is almost like its own little cultural bubble in a way um where that sort of thing was a little bit more acceptable like like you said bayard rustin was out in the south organizing for black people real as hell like raw and within the context even you know and because there's some I mean, that's an interesting dynamic, even within the context of like who we're talking about, because yeah. this was a movement largely led by the church. By the church. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, I just I always think that's deep when I like anytime I read things about him like that, like to have gotten to where he got to, in spite of all those factors that might have led to his downfall. Yeah. And to have Dead helped. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to have helped to the degree that he did, I always thought was really amazing. Yeah. So exactly. So we have Wikipedia that read that. Yeah, you should you <laughs> should sure. definitely look up Bayard Rustin because they probably talk about it in school. Yeah. So you have Bayard Rustin then you also have Diane Nash, mm-hmm. you know, who's a, a young black woman, very young, doing some amazing organizing work again during this time. These are people who were not actual characters in the original script because the person who wrote it and also, there are other people who have who have yeah. even put movies together about bus boycotts or Selma or Montgomery who leave characters like this out, who leave queer people, uh, gay people, and black pe- not black people, but women, black women out um, because their contributions are not necessarily seen as as important. And even you take Diane Nash um, out, I can't remember this um, other woman's name, but she was played by Niecy Nash in the actual movie, mm-hmm. but I mean Selma the movie. But in real life, I can't remember her name, but she was somebody that. Ava felt like it was important to include in the movie the woman who fed and clothed a lot of these men who were doing this work in Selma because she knew what an important contribution that was to have somebody who's feeding you and making sure that you, you know, your clothes are clean, that you have a place to stay. Richie Jean Jackson. Richie Jean Jackson. Thank you. 
Um, so yeah, Niecy, Na- Niecy Nash played Richie Jean Jackson, who is a woman who is really instrumental in this movement, but in a way that other people may not have necessarily seen as important. And the inclusive, you know, you talk about people finding fault or taking issue with the way that Ava interpreted her interpretation of this story. Her interpretation was inclusive from jump. It was yeah. inclusive and it, there was a it was also lack balanced. Of, what's that? Inclusive and balanced. Inclusive, balanced, and there was a lack of a white savior. Yeah. And it's very interesting that it's very interesting that 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 type of narrative would cause so many people to take issue with something even when it's been co-signed by other white people even if it's been co-signed by other people from institutions. the movement because she yeah she did you know and we say interpretation and I, like sometimes that word can have a little like that word can have can people can take issue with that, yeah. but interpretation is literally just you know as a director she has to she has to present it through and also as a writer she presents it through her lens, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean she hasn't consulted with a lot a variety of people who were there, uh, you know at this time to yes. make sure that she was painting or portraying this picture correctly. Exactly, two of them, Andrew Young and John Lewis, who are still living, who were there, yeah. who she not only had access to, but some of her actors had access to, and who came to her after she made the movie. And it was like, John Lewis was like, this movie had me in tears. Those were my friends. That was my life. That was my story. He almost died back then. Yeah. And she was able to uh, like appropriately and accurately capture what was going on at the time. To have two people, I mean, and there are more, but to have, you know, a few of those people be able to come to you and say, you've done an excellent job telling my story. Like, that's kind of almost all the validation that you that you need as far as like having the stamp of accuracy, to my mind. And I think, I mean, to go back, exactly to that i the, it almost goes back to to credit you know <laughs> the thing is we you know like i said before we we kind of deify we deify figures like martin luther king mm-hmm. you know um like you know like lbj to mm-hmm. a, you know to a certain like degree malcolm. yeah like malcolm you know and these were real people and the truth is they had they had mad help yes. they had mad help yes. like they were the front face but you know there weren't it, w- it was not just them there were people behind them and too often within historical historical depictions, like you said, those people are are bundled up. That help is condensed, mm-hmm. you know, supposedly to to you know to to make a tighter story. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like you said to make room for this, you know, yeah, for a white, white savior. savior. Yeah, but that's that's almost more of a false portrayal. Because that doesn't really show what all it actually took yeah. to make this happen. It took somebody feeding and clothing them. Yes. You know, in, in other situations, it took people hiding, you know, uh, in, in case of like um, Nelson Mandela. You yeah. know, he had people where he went to to hide, mm-hmm. um, you know, while the police were looking for him. It takes all these these smaller people yeah. to contribute to give this person the, you know, the strength or the the... The, almost the the freedom that they need to be able to leave. Well, not only that, like, is there something that she keeps saying where she's like, there was a reason why the movie is called Selma and the movie is not called you no. know, Martin. <laughs> Martin Luther King. Right, exactly. Yeah. And not only that, like, there's another thing that she said that Ava said about she wants to she wanted to make sure that she had this very like human portrayal of MLK in the movie, like where he's smoking a cigarette or cracking jokes or, you know, cheating on his wife or whatever, doing these things that people do, these very human things that people commonly do. And if you're, if, if he's a, MLK was just a regular guy who 
you know, who did something great. Like maybe me as a regular person, I too can do something great. And she said that that's something that she took away from the film herself. She's like, you know, I'm me, I'm Ava, you know, I make movies, but like maybe I too can do something great, even though I'm just human. And like you said, when you show the support that these people had, it makes it, it makes some of these amazing things that they've accomplished seem more feasible uh, because it doesn't, it doesn't just attach responsibility for this amazing thing that happened to one person it accurately shows that like like you said it takes a team of people a team of human beings because no person could figure that out all out on his or her own um, to be able to make this really amazing this really great thing happen and it's like you said that balance it's very interesting to me that 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 type of balance throws people off and makes them feel like there's something amiss it makes them feel like there's something that needs to be corrected or needs to be fact-checked um, because like you brought up Lincoln, I mean, how much of that shit was probably made up? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How much shit in that movie was probably made up? Like, I don't remember people coming for Steven Spielberg like that. Well, I mean, you don't come for Steven Spielberg. No, you don't Steven do that. Spielberg. But I mean, it's, it was, it's just very interesting because we are, it doesn't, you don't need, you don't even need a fucking television to see where we are culturally right now in the United States. You don't need one. And it's very interesting that once again, our major awards and sort of these things that sort of keep some type of history of where even like our motion picture culture, motion picture industry moves over time. It's very interesting that we can look back. We'll be able to look back on 2015 and see, yeah, there's this tone deafness, this smudging, this sort of like this amazingly talented woman made this amazing timely, timely film that perfectly captured the spirit of the 60s, but also everything that's going on right now. And everyone agreed that it was great. And everyone agreed that it was right on time. But there's no record of it. And some people have, you know, popped up and said like, oh, well, shit like this doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether or not your movie is good. Like getting an Academy Award, it doesn't make your film good or not good. And even like Spike said that the other day, I sent you this, it was a really short little piece where Spike was like, you know, if I saw Ava today, I say, tell her, you know, fuck them and just go on and concentrate on the next thing. But still like these awards, like Spike obviously got snubbed in 89 for Do the Right Thing, got snubbed in I think 1992 or 1993 for Malcolm X. But those awards, I'm sh- those awards a lot. They give you the power and the clout that you need, and the attention that you need to be able to move on to your next project, and to make and to get the budget that you need for it. To get project. the budget that you need, to get the talent that you need, to get the studio that you need, to get like it just gets you resources. Like I, I get where Spike is, what he's saying. When he's saying fuck, I'm a, like focus on the next thing. But like, imagine if Spike didn't get no nominations in 1989. Do you know what I'm saying? Imagine if his film wasn't a part of that cultural conversation. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, and to kind of come back a little bit, I think it's interesting that, so Selma almost gets so much flack for being against smudging. Like, if you think about, <laughs> like, literally, she was like, no, you're not gonna, like, you're not gonna move the people behind this movement who fought against these issues and not give them their their credit. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna rewrite this so that it provides room for that that's literally the antithesis of smudging yeah and that's what it not only did it get shit for that it got smudged 
as a result. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like that's it's just it's sad that that's kind of yeah the situation that's happening. It's like it's like it's it's an erasure, and like this is not. I talked to you a little bit about this earlier, and it's like sometimes even when we talked about last week, we talked about mental health and how yeah. sometimes like racism and stuff like that will have you kind of thinking that like, am I seeing things? Is this really real? Is this actually happening? Or even just like. The funny, I don't really know the meaning of the word paradox, if I'm honest with you, but I'm just going to use <laughs> it now and just see how that works out. But like that weird paradox, it feels uncomfortable to use a word when you don't know what it means. Uh, people do it all the time. Go out on a limb. What's do that? It. I'm going to go out on a limb. I mean, people do, people do watch like this on Twitter every day, so I'm going to fucking use paradox. I'm going to use my own definition of it. But like even last week we were talking about how like a lot of the guys in our neighborhood it's been reported that they feel better with even with the policing going down yeah but well, it's, it's still reverse now but yeah what's that you say what's that that's reverse yeah now, exactly but, yeah but uh, with the policing kind of having calmed down it made some of the black men in our neighborhood feel a little bit like more relaxed yeah but then also you still have it this like fucked up like other part of the situation where like it's acceptable to for the police to say we don't give a fuck about these people like that's an acceptable response yeah but then also like it's also still fucked up that they were being stopped all the time like almost like things are set up in such this really crazy way that they would have you thinking that there's just no way like no reasonable way to police people and if there is one it isn't worth figuring out for our sake right yeah so like you feel kind of crazy and when you talk about like the smudging of the story like she was against smudging like Ava was not against smudging in this particular story and now it's kind of being smudged out of like 2014 2015 movie yearbook let's say um but then also it's kind of similar to how I don't know I started following the Ferguson story really really early and before the national news media caught up I was on Twitter I mean I'm on Twitter all the time but I was on Twitter watching the story unfold for days And I felt like I was almost in this weird in-between limbo state. So, like, I wasn't really sleeping because I would stay up all night watching, like, live casts. Uh, I want to say Elon James and a few other people had one going. I would stay up just retweeting things and reading as much as I could because there were so many reporters that were on the ground that were live tweeting and taking photos of things that they saw. So I would kind of watch it during the day, but things would be kind of calm during the day. I would go home at night, read what I, like, you know, wasn't caught up on during the day, stay up all night retweeting things and watching things, and then still, like, knowing that no one at my job knew that it was happening. My parents, who aren't on Twitter and primarily watch television, hadn't seen anything about it. A friend of mine who works for a major news organization, um, she hadn't seen anything about it in any of their news feeds and news portals. And, like, I couldn't necessarily talk to everybody that I knew about because people just didn't know it was happening. So it wasn't on TV. It wasn't in a lot of the major news media organizations, but I could see that it was actually happening. Um... I could see that it was actually happening in front of me to people who were actually alive. I could see videos. I could hear audio. And it was like, like almost like every, it's weird how that dynamic can bleed out into that. That was erasure happening in real time. A lot of people choosing not to show things happening, unfolding as they were, or when they finally did engage like CNN Mm -hmm. or other news organizations kind of had this really fucked up smudged narrative of what was actually going on. It's weird to see that, happen in so many other parts of our culture so it happens like on the very base level of when one of us dies under circumstances that make absolutely no fucking sense and then it also happens like anytime one of us asserts his or him or herself in the culture even creatively in a way that doesn't have maybe doesn't have or appears not to have a very easy spoon-fed 
point of entry for mainstream for the mainstream audience for white for the white audience yeah yeah i mean yeah i mean you hit it you hit the nail on the head and what we've been able to kind of talk about i think we might have went just a touch over just a touch over yeah we, were, we uh, thought we were going to talk about we thought we were going to talk about music but i think you know honestly i don't I, I think this deserves another conversation i think that you know we we definitely have kind of hit on selma and it and honestly selma deserved an entire episode it did um you know we've, we've touched on how this smudging has kind of affected it and even how it kind of goes against it through the through the the network of the actual movie itself yeah um but I think we do have to come back and talk about... We got to talk about Igloo Azalea. We got to talk about Igloo Australia and and Azalea, who and actually... Azalea Banks. Who, who gifted us with smudging. Exactly. And who really kind of brought... Yeah, like you said, who who, who gave us that nice gift of, yeah. a, of a word, brought it back. Early Christmas gift. Who honestly. really kicked off a lot of this conversation. Truly, you know, actually. And has been fighting for this conversation for a minute, even though I struggle with her. We all struggle with her. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> she deserves her own amount of credit. She which does is what deserve she's her own amount of credit. So we're going we're gonna to come back with a part two, I guess, a smudging yeah, part two. Yeah, we got to do a smudging part two. So, yeah. um, so look forward to that Is it going to be like Confessions soon. part two? Like, you know, Usher Confessions. I mean, the thing is, to me, Confessions part one just doesn't exist. You know what? I live in that same universe. Like, I'm with you. It's only confession. This is, a, but this is also where this is where the agreement ends. Because once we get in the smudging part two, <laughs> yeah, it's we gonna, gotta do it's gonna get real greasy. But stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for colored nerds. Yeah. Uh, check us out again if you're listening on iTunes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but we are on iTunes right now. We're also on SoundCloud. We're yep. also on Stitcher. Stitcher and coming to a lot of other places soon. Look out. Yeah, look out. Um, follow us on Twitter. Yeah, we might Ask actually get nerds. a we might get a Facebook soon. Yeah, we might get Facebook. Oh, I got back on Facebook after a two and a half year hiatus. No thirst messages. Feeling very unloved right now. Damn, damn, that's that's terrible. As it it turns out, everybody I'm friends with on Facebook um, is getting married, gotten married, or has children, or is about to have children. So I can see how they're not worried about what my broke ass has to offer. (laughs) But no, definitely uh, look out for us there. Like uh, Brittany said, at for colored nerds. That's Mm -hmm. pretty much everywhere we are. Everywhere we are. That's all you gotta kind of look for. Um, And we'll talk soon. Yes. Thanks. Not everything in life is flexible, but at Capella University, your education can be. With our game-changing FlexPath learning format, you're empowered to fit education into your life without putting other priorities on hold. FlexPath lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them when needed. You can take courses at your own speed and move on to the next one when you're ready. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.